John 17. And we encourage you to be at every service, and this Sunday morning is an example of that. We've Thursday night Bible study have just finished uh, just last week a uh, series on John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. And uh, we won't have time to go back in and cover all of the uh, uh, groundwork that is laid for the sermon this morning, but I hope and trust we'll, um, we'll be able to uh, understand this verse and to see what the Lord has said. Jesus is closing his high priestly prayer. I mean, we often talk about the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. And check your Bible. The text for that prayer was actually invented sometime in the medieval ages. It's not found in your Bible, uh, certain parts of it. It's close to what the Bible says. But John chapter 17, in all reality and truth, is the Lord's Prayer. And he is praying for one thing. This is just moments before he would enter Gethsemane's garden. He would pray for three hours, the Bible tells us, saying the same words. He didn't say the same words in John chapter 17. He was praying for the glorification of the Father and the glorification of himself and the different things that he was going to use to accomplish that, including the lives of us today who claim to know Jesus as our Savior, who claim to serve the risen Lord, he wants to use us to bring glory to his name. And as he's closing that prayer, I want us to read the last verse, and that's the verse I want us to look at this morning. John chapter 17, verse 26. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now that's a may be in our minds a strange benediction or ending to a prayer. Because he's not asking things. We normally end our prayers, and, and we should according to the Bible, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we can preach a whole sermon on what that means. Uh, when you actually say in Jesus' name, you're saying, if Jesus were here, this is what he would pray for. You know, that would get rid of an awful lot of prayers, wouldn't it? Uh, we pray very little as we ought to pray in the amount of time and effort we invest in prayer. But Jesus ends this prayer completely different. He makes a declaration. He is making a statement of truth. He says, I have declared unto them thy name and will. Declare it. And then he gives us a reason for this. That thy love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Now there is just so much in this verse that when we ended the series uh, Thursday night, just felt like we need to spend a little more time on this, this verse right here. And what we're going to do is just go through the verse and then we're going to come back and look at the things, the application, the, the working out. You know, Scripture in the minds of so many people, and one of the reasons we have so much problems with religion today is the Bible becomes a book that we look at when we want to talk about spiritual things. And the practical outworking of that book, the things that ought to be lived in our lives are totally ignored. You know, if the scripture doesn't do something, then we're not paying proper attention to the scripture. I mean, we just finished a long road trip, 3,240 miles this week. 
We left Sunday afternoon, and so if you see some of us just sitting there with this vacant stare, you'll know that we were part of the group that drove. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's not a whole lot easier flying. I mean, it, it, it wears your travel, and, and I'll tell you what, the meeting was incredible. Look in your bulletins there. We were able, through the giving of our church, to help about uh, 27 or, or something different works all over the country, men starting and rescuing churches. Uh, I'll tell you what I really wish. I wish that we, instead of having Christmas savings accounts, I think what we ought to have is home mission savings accounts. And uh, then just go out there and give it all. I mean, I had so much fun. I don't know how to say thank you to our church for allowing me to go out there and say, we'll give $300, we'll give $100, we'll give $500. And somebody said, what is it, an auction? No, no, no. What it is, is helping church planners raise money. We raise money for everything from medical bills uh, to buying buildings to hymnals. And and, uh, one preacher's got to get back with us. We promised him 10,000 tracts and... So as soon as he gets back with us, we'll get that printing done. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, if I had my choice between Christmas and the Home Missions Conference, give me the Home Missions Conference. Uh, it is more blessed to give than receive. But you've got to have something to give. You know, that's why it's more blessed to give than receive. And you know what? The people of this church gave. And so I had the privilege of giving. And I, I don't know how else to say thank you, but just let's, let's do it again next year. Amen? And let's see what God is going to do. But as we go through all of these things, we look at this verse this morning, and we want to focus in on what Jesus said he did. He said he declared the name of the Father. Now, again, if, if Scripture isn't working, if it's not accomplishing something, something's wrong. Uh, if you turn on the key to your car and nothing happens, how many have ever turned the key in the ignition and you get click, 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 click? Anybody ever have that happen? Uh, you know you're in trouble. Something ain't working right. Because it's supposed to just go vroom and run. And you step on the gas pedal and you move forward. Now, why can't we take that same approach to Scripture and understand something? If it's not working, it's not Scripture that's broken. It's us. There's something not connected properly. And this, to me, is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. I mean, look what it says. He he is finishing his prayer. He's talking to God about us. In verse 24, he says, Father, I will that they... Also whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. You need to understand something. We're not all the children of God. Not everybody that says they're a Christian is a Christian. Jesus wasn't praying for everybody here. He was praying for his disciples. And if you go back to verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. If you're saved today, you're saved because of one reason. You've believed the word that the disciples gave us. They recorded his words in our Bible. These are the writings. We're reading the writings of the Apostle John. John was there when Jesus prayed this prayer. He heard those words and through the Holy Spirit of God, 
Every word was brought back to his memory and recorded in the way that God would have them for us today. Jesus was praying for believers. And he ends the prayer by saying, And I have declared unto them thy name. Now, it might be good if we understand what the word declare means. I mean, most of us know that the word declare means to say something, but uh, I always like looking it up and making sure because the word declare means more than just to say something loud. It, It means to make clear or plain anything that is obscure or imperfectly understood, to clear up, explain, expound, interpret, elucidate, how you like big words. Uh, That's the Oxford English Dictionary. Uh, You know what? You can look it up in the Greek, and it means the same thing. Because it's the same word, just different languages like we learned about in the Tower of Babel in Sunday school this morning. Amen? And part of the job of the Christian is to make things clear. I mean, if we just understood who God is, there would not be an issue in your life. There would not be a problem that you faced that that would be a difficulty to you. You know, part of our greatest problems is we just don't know who God is. He said, I'm going, I have declared unto them. Now, all the things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, he's summing up in this one verse. He says, I've declared unto them thy name. He said, I have made you to understand the name of God. I've declared it. I have made it clear who God really is. Now, if you're around our church very often, you're going to hear this, and I hope you, if you ever get tired of hearing this, you're going to be in trouble. The Bible is its own best commentary. People have stopped asking me, Pastor, do you know a good book that will help me understand the Bible? I said, yeah, I have one right here. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I got a problem understanding that one. Do you have another one that will help me understand that one? Well, well, we do have a little dictionary, a little $5 dictionary that has all the hard words in your Bible defined so that you can understand and you can read your old King James Bible. And when you come to one of those difficult words, you can look it up in this little dictionary. It's small enough to keep right in your Bible case. Uh, We do recommend that, but if you want to understand the Scripture, don't read a commentary. Read your Bible. Commentaries are good when you're preparing a sermon just to make sure that what's up here is still in here. Because if you're the only one smart enough to figure it out, Guess what? You ain't near as smart as you thought you was. And I know I'm not using English correctly, but helps get the point across, does it not? The simple truth is, the Bible says the scriptures of no private interpretation. You turn on TBN, and, I got a revelation from God and I have an understanding that's been hidden. Turn it off. That someone has no knowledge of what the Bible is teaching. It's plain. Jesus said, I have declared unto them thy name. Well, let's just ask the first question. How did Jesus declare unto them the name of the Father? How did he do that? Because if we see how he did that, it's going to help us understand what is supposed to be going on in our lives. Amen? And so let's see what the Bible says about this declaration that Jesus claims that he made in his earthly ministry. And you don't have to go far. Let's just go back to chapter 15. Chapter 15. And remember, chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 were all one um, dialogue, one teaching session 
Uh, we broke it up. We called it the last night discourses because Jesus covered several different topics. In fact, every major theological point that you would ever hope to study is in these four chapters right here. Jesus summed up all of the knowledge that we need, but here he answers the question on how he declared God's name to his disciples and to the world. We start in verse uh, 21. It says, But all these things will they do unto you for my... What's that next word? Name's sake. Because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come, verse 22, and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Jesus said, listen, I'm declared my name. I've declared the Father's name unto you. Here's how I did it. If no man, if I had not come and spoken the things that no man ever spoke, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. You know, the religious people in Jesus' day thought they were serving God. And I want to challenge you to understand something today. That all over this city, on different days of the week, People gather together and claim to worship God. Some people think that you ought to do it on Saturday. And, uh, and it's not only the Jews that worship on Saturday. And, and by the way, if you read your Bible, Saturday is not the day of worship. It's the day of rest. Read your Bible. Somebody says, well, how do you deal with... I uh, had a Seventh-day Adventist fellow we, when we first... Started our church. We rented space from a, a group that believed that. And it was really cool because they didn't use the building on Sunday so we could rent it real cheap. Uh, we've been trying to find Brother Mike one of those in, Bro- in Greenpoint, but it, it, doesn't wor- it hadn't worked out yet. But we were there and God said, what do you do with keeping the Sabbath day? I said, you drive your car to church. So? I said, uh, Check with the local rabbi here on what keeping the Sabbath is and isn't. Uh, he'll tell you that you're not supposed to kindle a fire on the Sabbath day. Uh, this building used to be a synagogue. Guess what they did? They put every light switch on a timer in the whole building. You know why? Because according to the scriptures, they're not allowed to kindle a fire, turn on a light. That would be kindling a fire. So they set a timer. He said, but the guy that set the timer was responsible for turning on the light. Yeah, he wasn't a Jew. They made sure of that. In fact, before they had the timers, I talked to one of our neighbors that lived a couple houses up. They would hire him and his boys to come in on the Sabbath and turn on the lights so that they would not break the Sabbath, and yet they would have the lights, and they wouldn't have to pay a high electric bill by leaving them on 24 hours either. Uh, I mean, there's some thought process that goes into that. But here's the simple truth. If you're saved today, if you know you're saved, what are you doing? You are resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, every day is the Sabbath to the Bible believer. We're not afraid of the Ten Commandments because they're God's commandments. You say, why do you worship on Sunday? Well, we'll get to that in a few minutes, but it's because he rose again. Amen? You see, that's part of his declaration. That's the second point. But the first is, Jesus said, I came and I talked to these religious people who thought they were serving me. Who are the strongest haters of Jesus Christ? Those that were closest to the truth and yet didn't have it. 
See, some of you used to attend different kinds of churches. And somebody came by with a Bible, or maybe you started reading your own, or someone gave you a gospel track, or a friend said, will you come to church with me? And you came here and you heard what was preached. You said, man, I never heard anything like that where I grew up. How many of you remember that? It wasn't too hard for you to understand that what you had wasn't the truth because the truth was so different. But the closer you get to the truth without having it, the better the lie is. Just check with our politicians, amen? Experts in giving you part of the truth without giving you the whole thing. You see, Jesus said, listen, I talked to them. I used my words to take away the cloak that they had covered their sin with. You see, they had lots of interesting rules and regulations in the Pharisee club. It was incredible. You see, the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. Right? Somebody says, that means children obey your parents. Well, it means a little more than that. It means when your parents get old, you're supposed to take care of them. You see, Jesus explained that, and you can go in the, in the Bible and find the story. We're not going to take time to turn there, but he said, you have this rule, it's called Corbin, it's a gift. You can take your possessions and dedicate them to the Lord. Well, that sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? And this was something that was practiced. They would buy a piece of property and hire it out. And the the profits and the harvest that was reaped off of that investment was all put into the temple. Except for a small amount that was kept out for the man who was working the field to pay his wages and all of those things right and honor. And and it made money. And, And it was actually a good way to get an extra offering that you normally wouldn't have. But your parents need some help. Oh, but you don't understand. Everything I have is dedicated to the Lord. And I'm only allowed to take out the little bit that I need to live and to pay the workers and everything else has to go to the temple. You know, they told the Roman tax collector the same dirty, rotten, filthy lie. You know, everybody takes care of themselves first, don't they? Listen, Jesus said, through your traditions, you've negated the commandments of God. You see, Jesus talked to them. He explained to them, the Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. We have a word for bearing false witness today. We call it lying. You see, they also had a set of rules on taking an oath or taking a vow. And you see, according to their rules, if you swore by the temple in Jerusalem, it really didn't mean anything. But if you swore by the gold in the temple, Uh, Oh, wait a minute. You better keep your word. If you swore by the altar of the temple in Jerusalem, uh, uh, that's really not a binding proposition. You can break your word. You can go back on your contract. But if you swore by the offering on the temple, oh, now God's going to hold you responsible for that. You know what Jesus said? Say God's going to hold you responsible for every yes and every no that comes out of your mouth. You can't play games with God. And this is how Jesus declared the name of the Father to the world in which we live because one of his names is holy. Amen? And we could... Be here until next Sunday. 
just trying to explain all the things that Jesus taught and how that he declared and made plain who God really is through his teaching. Amen? If you don't say amen, we're going to have to go back over it all again. I mean, do you understand that point? Amen? But that's not all Jesus did in declaring the name of the Father. Let's read on here, verse 24. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, then they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. I mean, couldn't we talk about the miracles that Jesus did? I mean, I love the one where they were in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And some of the Pharisees knew Jesus was going to be there and they brought in a man with a withered hand and they had him in there just to see if they could catch Jesus working on the Sabbath day. And Jesus called him out in the midst and he said, stretch forth thy hand and that paralyzed arm became whole. They were filled with madness and they took counsel how they might destroy him. Um, You see, they thought Jesus broke the Sabbath by healing a man and making him whole. And yet, they didn't believe that they were breaking the Sabbath by taking counsel on how they could murder this man. Do you see how ridiculous that is? I mean, if you could have just held a mirror up, or should I say, if you could have held the mirror up and let these Pharisees look into it, don't you think they would have seen how vile and wicked and godless their actions really were? No. They'd already chosen not to see. You can't make a person see something they don't want to see, can you? I've told the story of one of the first fellows we met. And I've tried to be careful. I don't think anybody would have any idea who this guy is. But he, was, he attended some of our first services when we rented a spot up here on 23rd Avenue. Uh, I mean, 20, uh, 21st, 31st Street at 23rd Avenue. We rented a little space for three days, and then we didn't have a place to meet again for the next three months. But he, he came, and he was about 5'2", five, 5'3", five, maybe 110, 20 pounds. Um, uh, shall we say, rather undistinct in his physical features and, and balding. Young man in his 20s. He thought he was James Dean. He told me, when I look in the mirror, I see James Dean. And I said, you got problems. And he did. And if that was his biggest problem, he would have been really well off. But see, you've got to mess with a lot of things up here to make something like that appear here. Amen? But is it any less strange for these Pharisees who thought nothing of breaking the commandment, thou shalt not kill, that actually took time on the Sabbath day to counsel on occasions with the Herodians, the servants of Herod, the wicked Herod and his sons who had uh, uh, done all of those horrific acts. Somebody said, oh, I'd like to study the life. Don't study the life of the family of Herod, please. It makes soap operas look clean. That guy was a vile, wicked, wicked, evil man. But you see, that religious crowd was willing to embrace him and hug him and love on him. 
because he was responsible for getting money from Rome to rebuild that temple and make it one of the most beautiful buildings in existence in the whole world at that time. I mean, there were heathens, Romans, and people who didn't know anything about the God of Israel that would travel to Jerusalem just to look at that temple, and they weren't even allowed in it. They found the stone that said, he who enters here is not a Jew, is, enters upon the penalty of death. They, they found that. It was, it was the threshold into the court. In one of the inner courts, the court of women uh, of the uh, temple process there, if you stepped over that stone and you were not Jewish, you died. And yet, they saw the miracles that Jesus did. Read John chapter 11 this afternoon. Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave after four days and some of them went their way to the Pharisees and they had a big session and they made their final decision that it was God's will that Jesus died. Guess what? That was the only thing that they were right about. It was God's will that Jesus should die. But they volunteered for that job and brought a curse upon themselves and their families. You see, Jesus declared the name of the Father in what he preached, what he said, and in the many miracles that he did. But guess what? It goes even further. Look at verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. I don't want to chase this rabbit very small, far this morning, but do you know how many unbelievable acts are attributed to the Holy Spirit? I mean, we have the laughing revival. We have the barfing revival. I mean, they actually pass out little airplane bags as you go in. And if the Holy Spirit touches you, you fill it with... Um, do we have to go any further? Uh, uh, they have these horrendous liars is the only way I know how to put it. One of them went so far as to say that he got blood poisoning from laying on top of the prayer requests that were sent to him in the ink from those prayer requests absorbed through his skin and poisoned his blood and made him ill and weak and sick. Somebody went to his headquarters and found those prayer requests. Apparently he had been dumpster diving because that's where all the prayer requests were. They were in the garbage can out back. And he was making all of these audacious claims and saying that the Holy Spirit has done this. Let me tell you something. If you want to know whether the Holy Spirit has spoken or not, here's the acid test. Right here, Jesus said it. He said, the Holy Spirit is going to testify of me. If you're not learning about Jesus, it's not the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you cannot learn anything about Jesus that hasn't already been written down. If it's written down, the Holy Spirit will help you understand. He will declare it. That's his job. He will make it plain. The problem is you might have to read it two or three times to figure it out, to give enough time for the Holy Spirit to do his work. How many of you ever bought one of those difficult Easy to assemble kits. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, any two-year-old rocket scientist with a PhD from MIT can assemble this project in 45,000 easy steps with only the master snap-on toolkit in your pocket just to make sure, which goes for about 80,000 bucks. Uh, I mean, I get, I get tired of those things, but I'll tell you what, to me it's a challenge. I'm going to put this thing together. And you know what I do? I read the directions. Uh, I don't read them once. I read them two or three times. And then I test fit everything. I said, are you ridiculous like that? Yeah. 
because I want it to work. I don't want to put the investment in something and then ruin it because I didn't pay attention. You know, somebody gave me a model car when I was a little kid. And I knew all of those parts and those little plastic racks went into the model. So I carefully cut them all out and took them out and cleaned them up and made them all look beautiful. The only problem was there were little numbers on the plastic rack that identified the parts. And now I had no idea which part went with which number. The pictures in those model kits do not help figure out the difference between the right side manifold and the left side manifold. You've got to leave it there with the numbers on it or you're never going to put it together right. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus foretold that he would declare his name. He's going to help you understand what's written down. Now, wait a minute. We're going to go a little further here. This is all connected here. Jesus is explaining this. Verse 27, And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Jesus said, Listen, I have declared unto them, unto the disciples, the name of the Father. Now, here's how I've declared it. I declared it by the things I taught. I declared it by the miracles that no other man has ever done. I declared it. What did the temple guard say when they were sent to arrest Jesus? He said, no man spake like this man. No man ever spake like this man. You didn't have to listen to Jesus very long to know that his message was different. You didn't have to watch Jesus very long to know that his power was different. You don't have to read this Bible very much under the influence of the Holy Spirit to know that this book is different. By the way, if somebody is living what the Bible says, you don't have to watch their life very much to know they're different too. You see, God is different He's not like one of us. He is our creator. God is not here to be your friend today. He doesn't want to be your buddy. I love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. That comes after you get saved, not before. Because he is God. That word used to mean something until the devil came along and told Eve, ye shall be like gods. And we've settled for the likeness instead of the reality. Jesus said, and I have declared unto them thy name. I love this next phrase. And will declare it. He says, I have declared it. Now, we've gone through some of the evidence. We could spend the next several weeks going through evidence of how Jesus declared the name. But then he said, and will declare it. He said, I have declared it, and I will. Now, that is present tense, but it's an action. It is something that is going on. He says, I have done it and I'm going to keep doing it. Well, how was he going to do it? Well, in just a few hours, he would be arrested. No man stood in a trial like Jesus did, except for those that have believed on his name and followed in his steps. What's the first thing you do when you're put on trial? Is you try to defend yourself, do you not? Lawyer will tell you, I don't care whether you're guilty or not. Say not guilty. Because we might be able to plead down to a lesser cause. We, uh, we might be able to get you a deal here. Say not guilty. 
What did Jesus say? It says he answered them not a word. Till the high priest said, I adjure thee by God to tell us whether you're the Christ. He knew Jesus couldn't not answer that question. He also knew that Jesus believed that he was the Christ. See, the problem was the high priest didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ. And Jesus said, I am. And he said, you've heard his blasphemy. He's guilty. And they beat him. They spit on him. They said, prophesy, who hit thee? You know what? He knew the number of hairs upon their head. How many of you know how many hairs you have on your head? Don't smile at me, Brother Franz. There's still a lot there. You have to shave them off to get it to look like that. I'll tell you what. None of us would even have a clue as the number of hairs on our head. (coughs) Yet Jesus knew every one. And yet he didn't defend himself. You know what he was doing? He was declaring the name of the Father. How many of you glad God is patient with us? That he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I love the name of our Father. Jesus declared it in dying on the cross. When he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he declared it again. When he said, it is finished. The writer of Hebrews tells us that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He has declared the name of the Father and will declare it. He declared that name when they laid that broken body Not one bone was broken. But medical people tell us that when that soldier thrust that spear in his side and John records water and blood came out, they said that what can happen is actually the heart and internal organs because of the stress of the death of the cross would literally rupture. And the the blood would just coagulate in the body cavity and it would separate from the water. That's what happened to our Lord. He declared that he was dead in paying the price for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is what? Death. Jesus died on the cross. He was declaring the name of the Father. But praise God, it didn't end there. Amen? On the third day, that tomb opened up. Not so Jesus could get out, but so we could see in. Amen? He declared and will declare. You know what? We have his words. He's still declaring today the name of the Father. You can read this book and find out who God really is. He doesn't need his mother to take care of him. He doesn't need some little tin-head prophet to run around saying, I'm the only one that knows who he is. He doesn't need some radio network or television show or a tent outside of town with a big offering plate To tell who he is. It's in his word. Guess where else it is? It's in his church. How many churches 
don't even talk about who God is. They just talk about being better or realizing your inner whatever. Hey, let me tell you something. You don't want to realize what's in there. Because what's in there is, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what God says about your heart. How about we declare his name? Things will be a little different. Amen? You see, Jesus explained to us how this is supposed to work. What is supposed to happen He said, I and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it. Now, here's what's supposed to happen. That the love wherewith thou hast loved me, talking about God the Father, loving the Son, may be in them, those who believe, and I and Jesus in them. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Guess what? How many of you have struggled? I'll put my hand up. I have. Keeping his commandments. Um, you know what the problem is? His love isn't in us. If his love isn't in us, he's not in us. And if he's not in us, we're going to sin. That's how it works. How do we get that love in us? Do we keep his commandments to get his love in us? Do, do we get that love in us by doing things? No, it says, and his commandments are not grievous. How many people do the right things, but boy, is it a burden. I mean, I try not to watch when the offering plate goes around. We don't make a big deal about money here. One offering a week is all we take because the Bible says we're supposed to give. And I'll tell you what, what a blessing it was that we were able to take some of our giving to the Home Missions Conference last week and give it out to people who needed it. Amen? But I'll tell you what, sometimes it's... No, I'm going to do it. Let me tell you. That kind of giving doesn't bless you. And it's not going to bless our church. We, we don't want that kind of giving. I've, I've told people, and I'll, I'll make a statement from the pulpit right now, is if that's how you're giving, keep it. The Bible says those commandments are not grievous. Well, Pastor, I've made a decision. I'm going to go home and I'm going to cut the cable. (laughs) If that's the way you think about it, leave it on because you'll be watching it in your heart even if it is disconnected. You got to get close enough to Jesus. That those things aren't important anymore. You've got to listen to what he taught. You've got to see the things that he did. You've got to let the Holy Spirit. Explain to you what's in this book. And you've got to realize that you're not the only Christian that's ever lived. There are others. And their testimony is connected to this book right here. That's how we judge whether someone's true or not, is the word of God. Amen? You see, Jesus said, I've declared my name unto them and will declare it. Why? That that love that God had for the Son could be in us. And if that love is in us, we will keep his commandments. And when we're not... We got to disconnect somewhere. We'll go back to the car that won't start. Do you know that you can have a good battery in your car 
and yet your battery is not putting enough juice to the starter to start it because of unseen corrosion in the battery terminals. It can happen. You see, I could keep preaching till noon, but I'm not going to, by God's grace. But when that love is in us, it's going to make things change. Amen? But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his, what's the last word? Name. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. A little later on, Acts chapter 5, the disciples uh, left the council. And here's what it says in verse 41, And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Read Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 is a difficult verse for some people. It says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But what you need to do is read the few verses before that because it, it's all explained that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Then we take that salvation that He's given us. And it should work. It should work out of us. It should change the things that we do. If the engine is running, the wheels should turn. One quick funny story. Brother Marshall, my father-in-law, had a bus and took it into a shop and they didn't understand that in the old buses, the motor actually ran backwards because the engine sat behind the rear axle. Well, they weren't paying attention. And so they had four speeds in reverse and only one very slow gear going forward because they had hooked the engine up wrong. And a lot of people do that with their faith because they're trying to work to get faith instead of getting faith to work. And guess what? Where is that faith going to work? It's going to work. Ephesians chapter 3 tells us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We have a faith that works if you believe in Jesus Christ. You don't have to work on your security. It's there because of who he is. When we sin, it's not because somehow that uh, we have failed in, in our endeavors, in our efforts. No, we have failed in getting enough of him inside us to override what's already there. It's got to overpower what's inside us. It's got to control what's inside us. It's got to make us run. Amen? You see, we have a verse out there on the front door, part of it. It says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a, ha, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. That was a promise to a church. Jesus said, I've set before you an open door. Why? Uh, because you kept my word and you didn't deny my name. Jesus said, I have declared unto them thy name. He did by his teaching. He did by his miracles. He is doing that by, through the work of the Holy Spirit and making his word understood. He is doing that and has done that through those that believed on his name and given testimony to that. He is continually declaring that through his finished work on the cross and the empty tomb, through his written word, through the church of Jesus Christ. 
But it's got to be lived in the life of a believer. That's an individual thing. That's a question only you can answer for yourself. If you have a salvation and is one of those hopes, so maybe I wish kind of thing, I, I wish I knew a little more. Let, let me challenge you. That may not be, uh, let me put it this way, it probably is not the salvation the Bible talks about. The salvation the Bible talks about is based on a faith in the person of Jesus Christ who has never failed. He has never let one believer slip through his fingers. It's what it means. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The devil has never taken back one soul that Jesus has claimed. Can't happen because of who he is. Amen? Say, boy, I don't have that love feeling in me. Everything I do for God is a difficulty. Well, let's first check our salvation, make sure we got the right salvation, and we better check those connections. They do get rusty, amen? Not on his end, but on our end. They do get clogged with sin and other things. We do allow the desires of this life to come in and cloud our understanding of who God is. Uh, that's why we have church. Because we need to be constantly challenged. Because Jesus wants that love in us. And he wants to be in us. And like the little boy, they say, I think somebody made this story up. Went to his dad and says, Dad, how, how, how big was Jesus? He says, Son, I don't know what you mean. Jesus is God. He fills the whole universe. No, but when he walked on earth, how, how big was he? He said, well, son, he was just a normal-sized human being. He said, but I don't understand. He says, the Bible says that Jesus lives in us. And if he was a normal-sized man, I'm just a little boy. Shouldn't he be sticking out somewhere? I think some preacher made that up. But isn't that true? Shouldn't he be sticking out somewhere? They called them Christians because they were so much like Christ. I'll tell you. He said, I declared thy name and will declare it. Is it working? Is that love in you? Now, we're not talking about warm, wishy-gushy feelings. We're talking about knowledge of your salvation. We're talking about keeping his commandments with joy and love. We're talking about serving him and taking that salvation and letting it work out to the point where people see Christ in us. We're talking about living a life that brings glory to his name through his church. We're talking about walking through a door that only Jesus could open till he comes back. Is it working, my friend? Jesus did declare his name and is still declaring his name. Is that love working in your life? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, there's so much that just wasn't said or might not have been said right. I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would use this feeble attempt to understand one of the greatest and deepest verses in all the Scripture. Lord, we would not just sit here and say, well, that must be for the preacher. No, Lord, it's for every believer. Lord, I pray that we would declare your name in this church.
in such a way that would bring glory to who you are and help people understand more to, to be made plain, as the Bible says. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that do not know you as their Savior, that they would be honest with themselves and with you today and would be willing to simply trust you as their Savior, that they would believe in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus alone for eternal salvation. Lord, I pray for those that are saved here today, are struggling with temptation, with life, with circumstances, with burdens. Lord, that we just come and try to learn a little bit more about your name. Lord, I ask that you'd be honored and glorified in what goes on in these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, come and lead us 296. Just as I am without one plea. That's the way you get saved. By the way, that's the way you get right. Let's just...